It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You're listening to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. This is the Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster joined by Jonathan Mayo of MLBPipeline.com. Jim Callis off the podcast duty this week. He will be back shortly, though, I'm sure. First of all, Jonathan, Happy New Year. First podcast of 2016. Yeah, looking forward to uh, to a full year of, of podcasting with you, Tim, and of course when when Jim joins us to uh, to reform the Holy Triumvirate. <laughs> it should be a lot of fun as we take you through the whole year. Of course, the draft, all the prospects, all the rankings, the trade deadline, and everything as the year goes by. But every year, from a prospect standpoint, seems to kick off with the rookie career development program happens down in Virginia, and I know, Jonathan, you've been going to this event for, for years and years. I got to go one year and uh, and experience what it's all about, but basically to kind of fill people in, teams, each team, each major league team, send some prospects down, and it's basically a, a little boot camp to, to learn what they can expect as they make it up to the, the upper levels of the minors in Major League Baseball. But maybe you can take us more into exactly what goes on down in Virginia for these rookie players. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for making me sound really old um, years and years and years. <laughs> I think it's, you used three years there, so thanks for that. At least three. The, the, the Rookie Career Development Program is a, a tremendous uh, program that is uh, a joint effort uh, between Major League Baseball and the Players Association, the union. Uh, and, you know, so much emphasis and focus is placed on readying a player for uh, playing in the big leagues on the field. Um, but this is a, a four-day program uh, really based on off-the-field issues, the, the kinds of things that can trip up uh, a guy with a lot of potential and and keep them from from reaching that potential uh and they do things like media training uh dealing with uh clubhouse dynamics you know veterans versus rookies when you first get there they they have financial sessions uh they have smaller breakout sessions with uh, resource players uh, provided by the players association that can really dig deeper into some of these issues with the idea being uh, you know, each team sends you know, three, sometimes four players uh, of guys who are close to being big league ready. Uh, we're not talking about guys just from the draft who are just getting started. It's guys who, you know, could see big league time in 2016, and, and trying to to arm them with some some tools that will keep those obstacles from getting in their way, uh, and and then let it really come down to whether or not their physical ability will, will keep them in the big leagues as opposed to them getting into any kind of trouble or, or having difficulties that could keep them from getting there. The thing that I was most impressed by uh, when I went down to the RCDP was how much fun uh, baseball and the Players Association are able to to make this weekend because I think for some of these players, they probably 
I don't want to say dread it, but they don't really necessarily look forward to this event. But I think they almost all come out of it really excited about the fact that they went to it. And one of the reasons for that is they bring in Second City. A lot of people have heard of that, the comedy group from Chicago, uh, from the city of Chicago. And and they're a big part of this as far as just interacting with the players. And and they make it funny. They make the sessions funny. and, And there's a lot of laughing. But in the background, while the players are enjoying themselves, they're also learning a lot, and I don't think they necessarily realize they're learning a lot. Right. I, I think, you know, on the surface, the idea of giving up, uh, you know, three, four days uh, uh, during an off season, and those days are, are precious to a, a player who's, you know, training around the clock, to, to have to, to sit and, and learn in, in what may be initially perceived as a classroom-like setting uh, isn't exciting. I think enough people have heard about the program and they hear about it from their peers who are a year or two ahead of them that uh, people know about it. Uh, bringing in Second City was a, a stroke of genius. It's a touring company, uh, and they do, uh, yeah, they put on a show, uh, an improv show, and then that's part of the fun. But they do a lot of role-playing. Um, it's almost like drama therapy, uh, in, in effect, where it enables the players to, to interact while learning about uh, themselves and how they would deal with these issues and, and maybe learning some good do's and don'ts. Uh, they make it very competitive. Uh, there's a, a point system involved, uh, and that obviously gets a lot more people engaged. Uh, everyone knows you know, these are professional athletes. They're, they're all hyper-competitive. So uh, it, it's a laid-back setting, but uh, everyone wants to, to win something. Uh, and every year, Tim, I, I come away impressed, not just with the program, but with the players and how involved they get and the insights that they provide, um, even though a lot of it's the same thing every year, uh, it never ceases to be uh, interesting and unique. Yeah, and it gives these players a chance to get on each other a little bit, and guys from different teams who have heard of these other guys, they get to meet each other, which is neat as well. So let's get into some of those players that are going to be down there this weekend for the event. and it's a pretty impressive group of players. So we'll get through some of the, the big names. But let's start with Byron Buxton. He's been at the top of everybody's prospect list now for, for a couple of years. And he spent some time in the majors, of course, in 2015. So I was a little surprised that he's heading to the RCDP. But it'll be neat for you to get a little sit-down one-on-one time with a guy like Buxton, who I know you've talked to plenty in the past. Yeah, and we, uh, we will do uh, an interview, uh, one interview uh with a player from each organization and obviously Buxton uh, goes without saying needs to be on that list and and there are there are a number of guys who have some big league time but you know keep in mind that Byron Buxton kind of was thrown into the fire last year they had injuries at the big league level he probably wasn't completely ready in in terms of a uh being able to handle the competition uh and the advanced pitching that he had not really seen uh and there were probably some things that he saw and had to deal with uh, that he had questions about. Uh, you know, maybe he was dealing with the media. Uh, maybe it was some of those clubhouse dynamics um, that uh, he can bring the perspective of, okay, well, this is what I saw so far in the big leagues. Um, now I will have some tools to help me deal with it full time, uh, assuming that he spends a, you know most, if not all, the 2016 season. Uh, in Minnesota, uh, you know, he can bring a perspective of, all right, well, I've seen some of this already, and, and here's what I saw, and, and maybe 
some things I did right and, and, and some things that I could improve on. Yeah, and he could probably share a lot of that with the other guys yeah. that are there as well, which is helpful. Uh, so from one number one prospect to another, the Nationals' top prospect, Lucas Giolito, he'll be there as well. Is Giolito a guy who could end up being that number five starter in 2016 in Washington? Uh, you know, I think he's one of those guys that, you know, you don't want to rush him. Yeah. Uh, ideally, he gets, you know, a, a chunk more time in the minor leagues. But, uh, you know, I think we just had a story saying that uh, the kid gloves are coming off. Uh, they were, you know, treating him carefully after Tommy John surgery. There are going to be no limitations on him this year. So, I, you know, he's going to pitch in Washington in 2016. I, I will almost guarantee it, barring any kind of injury problem. Um, whether it's right at the beginning of the year or it's more of a midseason thing remains to be seen. Uh, I think the fact that they're, they sent him to the rookie career development program uh, shows that they think that he's going to spend a good amount of time in Washington in 2016. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I, I think he could use a, a little more time. He started 2015 in A-ball. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of experience at the upper levels. Uh, so I think you know, starting him, even if they start him back in double-A and let him you know, spend a month in double-A, a month in triple-A, and then hit the big leagues, will be fine. And uh you know, he is a, a pretty sharp kid uh, who has a good head on his shoulders, so he'll, he'll be ready for whatever challenge faces him. Joey Gallo will be a part of the program. Texas Rangers' number one prospect, obviously the, the slugging third baseman who, who got a shot up in Texas in 2015 because of the injuries to Adrian Beltre. He'll be joined by Lewis Brinson, so a couple of big-time prospects as far as the Rangers go. Yeah, you know, Gallo's a little bit ahead of Brinson, obviously, just in terms of, you know, big league readiness, uh, although uh, Gallo showed what he needs to still work on to, to be able to stick in the big leagues. And it's exactly what uh, been the concern with him all along, uh, you know, is the swing and miss and being able to make adjustments. And, uh, you know, he wasn't up there for that long. Uh, I think it was actually a good way to introduce him. Uh, you know, he came up and originally uh, made a big-time contribution and was able to stick around for a little bit longer uh, has added left field to his resume so he can help out there uh, as well. And, uh, you know, I think he will make adjustments. He's shown an ability in the minors to, to do that better than maybe some have expected. He's always going to strike out a ton. Um, you know, the thing that's interesting with Brinson, uh, conversely, is that he is a guy who uh, has really bought into uh, understanding plate discipline, and he's cut down on the strikeouts uh, a tremendous amount from early on in his career. Uh, and he really clicked in 2015. I expect some big things from him, and clearly the Rangers do too. Um, you know, some of it will come down to need at the big league level, but uh, he took a major step forward in terms of his overall approach at the plate. Uh, he's just about ready. Uh, another guy, both he and Gallo, actually, uh, really strong makeup uh, guys, uh, and that's going to help them succeed uh, in the long term. Aaron Blair is going to be a part of the program as well, and he's interesting because obviously – making the move to a new franchise. He was with the Diamondbacks. He was a big part of that Shelby Miller trade, so he goes to the Braves. And is that a common thing for a team to include a guy that they don't really, they really haven't had in their system very long in this program? Yeah, it, it, it happens every year. Uh, and, and invariably, you know, over the last few years, there's, there's been a guy who's been traded while he's been at the, at, at the program. 
Um, so, you know, in some ways it's kind of interesting because this will be Blair's uh, first sort of quote-unquote uh, official representation of the Braves organization. Um, you know, clearly when they traded for him uh, in the Shelby Miller trade, they felt that he was going to help out their rotation soon. And they're in rebuilding mode, it's true. Uh, but he's, he's knocking on the door and would be, regardless of, of where he would be. Now, there's probably more of an opportunity for him because of what the Braves are trying to, to do right now. Uh, and uh, I think that he can use the, the rookie program and head into spring training uh, feeling confident uh, that, one, you know, the, the Braves wanted him in the first place, uh, two, that they thought enough of his future to, to send him to the rookie career development program. So I think he's going to come in uh, fairly confident and, and really try to compete for a, for a rotation spot out of spring. And we'll have cameras down there at the RCDP over the shoulder of Jonathan Mayo for all these interviews. So you can look forward to seeing a lot of these players in clips in the coming week on MLB.com and on also on MLBPipeline.com. So something definitely to keep an eye out for. Blair is an easy transition into uh, your recent story that you posted on Pipeline um, about the most improved farm systems. And basically, you covered the teams that have improved themselves I guess from January 1st, 2015 to December 31st, 2015. And the Braves, one of those teams, uh, and really they did it throughout the year, didn't they? They made deal after deal to really stiffen up that system. And Blair, obviously, along with Dansby Swanson, being a big part of it during the winter meetings. That was like an all-star segue right there, by the way, Tim. (laughs) You're starting the new year off exceptionally well. And yeah, I mean, the Braves were, were kind of a a no-brainer for this for this list of teams who have improved their farm systems. And, uh, you know, they set out uh, ever from, you know, right when John Hart came in to, to rebuild the farm system. And now John Coppolella, the, the general manager who was already there when, when Hart got there, has continued. And they've worked together to, to completely rebuild the system. You know, back when the Braves were successful, they had a lot of homegrown talent. Uh, they, they promoted from within. And that's sort of how they felt that, well, that's the Braves' way, and they needed to get back to that. And uh, they have certainly done it. The Shelby Miller deal was huge, obviously. Just uh, you mentioned Blair, but they obviously also got Dansby Swanson. Um, it doesn't count some of the trades from, from you know, December a year ago. Jason Hayward, Justin Upton that brought in some, some good talent. Um, you know, they made the Newcomb and Simmons trades. Uh, so they've brought in uh, – a lot, and then they had a really good 2015 draft as well. Uh, so and they went after again the sort of Braves way of high-end young high school talent. Uh, so they may take a little bit longer, but because of some of these trades, they filled in some slots at the upper level. So they didn't necessarily feel they needed to to go after the kind of safer college guy who would get there faster. The Phillies, another team that that obviously, as we go through these teams, they're all teams that are rebuilding, and the Phillies very much in that mode. But they dealt Cole Hamels, got a nice return. Then they got Ken Giles during the winter meetings. They trade him away. And then there was also the Ben Revere deal. So they're another team that took advantage of the trade deadline and now the offseason. Yeah, they, they've uh, brought in uh, a lot of, I think it was 10 top 30 players total uh, in those trades. Uh, you know, they had a pretty good draft, too. Uh, even Tyler Goodell, the Rule, the, the rule 5 pick, uh, they they were really active in going after one of the better international amateur prospects 
uh, signed him to a lot of money and Jalen Ortiz. So uh, they're, they're really trying. And that's, you know, the Phillies have not had a strong farm system in quite some time. Uh, you know, I, I want to go back to the days of Ryan Howard and Chase Utley coming up. Uh, so it, it's, it's been slim. And I think what they've been able to do is, is take advantage of trading some of those guys when they still had value, which is something that they missed the boat on. Uh, you know, when they traded Chase Utley, uh, you know, they got some talent back, but obviously it was well past this prime. Jimmy Rollins trade, uh, probably a little before, you know, a little after when they should could have maximized his value. So I, I think that the Hamels deal and the Giles trade, they really hit the jackpot, especially the Hamels deal. Uh, you know, bringing in three top 100 caliber players and Jake Thompson, Nick Williams, and, and Jorge Alfaro. Um, you know, Nick Williams will be at the Rookie Career Development Program uh, as an aside uh, to tie this all together. Uh, but, yeah, they have uh, brought in a good amount of talent, and that's what they're going to need to do. They haven't been competitive in a while, uh, and they may not be, uh, you know, for, for a little while, but the pieces in the farm system – are now there for them to to turn things around and and have more sustained success. Yeah, the Phillies seem like they were maybe the last to know that it was time to rebuild and right. they missed out on on a few chances, but now they're very much on board with the plan and, and they are making some good moves. All right, the other teams you talk about, you got the Brewers who obviously made some nice moves, Carlos Gomez's trade, they also Del Parra and Gallardo, and then the Rockies who made the big decision to deal Tulowitzki at the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, anytime you trade somebody like that, you better get uh, sort of a farm system changing return. And and uh, they brought in a good amount of talent, uh, throwing, getting Brendan Rodgers, uh, who was our top draft prospect. Uh, you know, uh, getting him as their top pick, uh, and then they also got a bunch of other drafts. They had one of the better drafts, uh, and that's why they made the, the this list. You know, as much as the 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 Tulo trade certainly helped out uh, bringing in Jeff Hoffman and Miguel Castro and, and Jesus Tinoco. Uh, you know, the that draft bringing in Rodgers and Mike Nickerak, Tyler Nevin, Peter Lambert, David Hill, they were all in the, our draft top 100 at the time of the draft. So that was a huge haul. Uh, and then, uh, you know, throw in the, the Brewers who you mentioned uh, who have done extremely well. Uh, in, in rebooting uh, that Carlos Gomez trade ended up. The fact that they weren't able to trade Carlos Gomez to the Mets ended up being a, a huge blessing for, for, for them, I think, in terms of what they got from the Astros. And the Cincinnati Reds are the fifth team. Uh, and they were going to be on this list before the Chapman trade. Uh, and uh, and then that going through, really right before the article was posted, kind of just cemented their, their place on the list. What a transition that is. Thank you very much. Let's get into the the Chapman deal. And you said it, they were already on the list. And, and, I mean, if you're a Reds fan, I think there's got to be some disappointment, doesn't there, in the haul they got for Chapman? It's understandable, obviously, with the domestic issue and what happened during the winter meetings, what we learned. But the fact is, at the end of the day, they didn't get the caliber of players that they might have had they dealt him previously and getting Eric Jagailo and rookie Davis along with another couple players. Right. And, you know, and the thing is we don't know, uh, you know, the previous discussions with other teams uh, that may or may not have fallen apart because of those off the field issues. Um, 
We don't really know how much teams knew about those issues before trade talks even started, and then when they became public, it, you know, it made it more difficult to, to move him. Um, you know, so it, it's it's hard to know. Um, that being said, um, you know, the Reds have liked Eric Jagaila for a long time. Uh, he got taken right before the Reds pick in, in his draft, so you know they 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 were. He was in their conversation in the first round. Um, they really like him. Rookie Davis has a chance to be, you know, a pretty good pitcher. So, you know, it's not that they didn't get talent back. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think there's probably more of a chance that they could have gotten more. Keeping in mind that, you know, Chapman, as good as he is, um, he's going to be free agent at the end of next year. So, you they're selling a guy for one year. Um, yes, uh, I, we all know how good Aralvis Chapman can be. Uh, the I think this wild card of what what happened uh, off the field made it more difficult to, to get more value. But you know, uh, how much are you going to get for even if you want to make the argument he's the best or most dominant closer in baseball uh, for one year of uh, of that, uh, as opposed to maybe a guy who has a few more years of of control, um, you know, it depends who you talk to. You could probably have that debate. But uh, I know that the Reds are uh, very excited to have Eric Chigallo and Rookie Davis as a result of that trade. We are out of time, Jonathan. It's been it's been a blast, and I can't wait to do these throughout the year. But good luck at the RCDP, talking to all those players, and, and we'll talk to everybody next week on the Pipeline Podcast. All right. Sounds good, Tim. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.